Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I've spent this past season talking with folks who've pursued their passions and turned their dreams into day jobs. They've cracked open the proverbial crystal ball and given us a glimpse into how they were able to do it, and really how you can too. But there's this question, and it's one I've had since, well, earlier in this season that I'd like to admit. It's a question that's been gnawing at me all season long. Weird Work episodes are chock full of inspiration and education, but the question still remains. What if you don't know what your passion is? I mean, how can you pursue your dream job if you don't actually have a dream? Well, there's this ramen shop in Boston, Massachusetts, and its sole purpose is to help you find your dream. I'm Sam Balter, and this is Weird Work. Now let's listen to them speak about their jobs which are quite unique weird work the first time I thought of the word dreams mm. was when I noticed that nobody around me was living happily they must not have their dreams that's what I thought that's when I started to think about dreams that's Suyoshi Nishioka He's the owner of Yume Wokatare, an unassuming ramen shop located in Boston's Porter Square neighborhood. The restaurant's name translates to Speak Your Dreams. Tsuyoshi grew up in Shiga Prefecture, Japan, just outside Kyoto, a far cry from the busy streets of Boston. And when Tsuyoshi looks back, he still remembers his first dream. But there's sort of a catch, because his first dream isn't actually his. So, My dad was telling me to go to this high school all the time, and this school was the top high school in Shiga Prefecture. To get into the school was my first goal. According to Tsuyoshi, this type of parental pressure in Japanese culture, it's not all that uncommon. It's the total opposite. I don't think anyone would do that. In Japan, people do what they should do. Some parents will say, you should do this for your future. That's what they do. And if they tried and failed, they make sure you won't do it again. Their parents will support them by not letting them fail. So they can't challenge, they won't challenge themselves. He was on the fast track to getting into the best university, getting a top degree, and landing any high-paying job he applied for. And from this long list of opportunities, he chose to be a comedian, starting a comedy troupe with a group of close friends. <laughs> well, my parents were against it. In the Nishioka family, I'm the oldest son. Nobody in my family has ever attended a college before. 
When I went to that high school, its college entrance rate was almost 100%. So I was going to be the first one from my family to go to college. So my family was extremely happy when I got into that high school. So when I told them I would be a comedian, they all opposed. I had more choices. I could choose anything. I just chose to be a comedian. It's just like you love this girl or you love this food. It's all about feelings, so I didn't have a specific reason. And not long after, another love caught his eye. It was full of rich chunks of fat and had the nasal notes of some generous amounts of garlic. That love, of course, was Jiro Ramen. I just wanted to have a ramen shop, so I did. My partner always took me to a restaurant called Ramen Jiro. I became obsessed with its ramen. I thought I would make ramen like this someday. One day, they were hiring a part-time helper, so I started working there. After a week, the owner asked me if I wanted to open a branch, so I answered yes. And I called my partner later that night and told him I quit. He wasn't surprised at all. A dream is not about giving up. You move on because you find more things to do. I didn't quit being a comedian. We want you to basically take everything that you know about ramen and throw it away. That's Sarah Brandy. She's the marketing manager at Yume Wokutare. Sarah tells me what you can expect to find inside your bowl of Jiro ramen at the restaurant. Our bowl is a tonkotsu shoyu, which means that we start out with some uh, special soy sauce. And then we also have our tonkotsu soup, pretty much just pork, bones, and water. And that's yeah. it. And uh, like 18 hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got like an 18-hour soup. 18-hour soup, a very special soy sauce blend that nobody else in the world has. Secret? Secret. It's not getting out there. Yeah, okay. no, absolutely not. Noodles? Noodles, yeah. So we <laughs> hand make the noodles fresh every day in the back. For us, you know, we really want to keep everything to the highest quality that we can. And uh, in order to do that, we need to make it ourselves. Nobody else can stand up to our quality. <laughs> so you make everything. You're not getting chunks of pork or noodles just frozen. No, in. that's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Okay. Absolutely okay. not. So if you go to Japan and you ask um somebody about jiro style ramen if they're a ramen fanatic they might not actually consider jiro to be real ramen because it's so different from any other bowl of ramen so there's like the jiro heads who are a huge fan of jiro like jiro style ramen and then there's the ramen heads who say that jiro is not actually ramen sarah tells me that jiro ramen is actually the only thing you can order that's right. At Yume Wokatari, it's a menu of one. Uh, your choices are pork or more pork. <laughs> <laughs> we chose to make that dish specifically because it aligns with our concept so well. You know, we could make anything. It really, you know, we, we don't have to make ramen. It could be like pizza, yeah. tacos, whatever. <laughs> but this ramen dish that we make is so suited to our concept. Keeping things simple, I think, is also really important to think about in your everyday life as well. You know, if you can keep it simple and you can enjoy it, why do you need to add all these other things? So simplifying is the first ingredient in finding your dreams. Let's break down everything else you need to know about dreams, according to Siyoshi, in recipe form and under three minutes. 
Once you've simplified, you need two organs. This recipe is already veering into strange territory, but pushing through. These two organs are conveniently housed in that little body of yours. We're talking about the heart and the mind. You use your head to figure out how to make your dreams come true. It's not to find your dreams. You feel your dreams with your heart and figure out how with your head. That's how you use your heart and your head. And according to Siyoshi, dreams are a young person's game. If you didn't have a dream when you were little, you can't have a dream when you were old. It's the same as the first grader who doesn't understand anything. You never understand what they were teaching in college. If you didn't have a dream in grade school, you won't in college. I believe dreams are something that get bigger with time. So you must start with small dreams. Dreams also need a dash of natural instinct. Something you want is something you feel with your heart. So I ask them what they want with their heart. You can't find an ideal job thinking whether you can do it or not. And the process to achieving your dreams? Yeah, it's not some mystical journey fraught with peril at every corner, ultimately achieved from some metaphorical mountain on high. It's a nice thought, but just like tying your shoe or filing your taxes or, that's right, following a recipe, it's a process. Unless you fulfill small dreams, you can't move on to bigger dreams. You can't skip over dreams. Your dream capacity will get bigger as you fulfill more dreams. And you will influence more people. And that's how it goes. So I didn't have a dream of collecting 45,000 dreams first. I just wanted to eat good ramen. Then I wanted to have my own shop. So that motivated me to start working there. So at first, I never thought of providing a space to dream. It just got bigger and bigger. So even if you really wanted to contribute to a society, but you didn't know what to do, then you should just start picking up trash on the street or say hello to others. That's all you need. That will save the world, just by smiling. All you have to do is start something small. That's all. Then you'll find a little bigger dream next. How'd I do? Nailed it? No? You sure? Like my little recipe segment, pursuing dreams in Japan isn't so easy. When you ask someone in Japan, what is your dream, they'll answer, I don't have one. Then you ask, what is a dream? What is the definition of a dream? I found out that their dream means an ideal job. But that's not it. Your dream should be something you want, whether it's small or big. Siyoshi was balancing two dreams, comedy and ramen. So I thought, I should do this and that. And after being offered a job at his ramen master's restaurant, he stepped away from the stage, still bringing joy to others, as he puts it, only this time through food. After I quit being a comedian, I opened my shop a few months later. Then, one night, my ex-comedy partner came to eat at my ramen shop. Siyoshi doesn't remember anything being out of the ordinary with this visit. He just opened his first ramen shop, and his friend was stopping by to check the place out and say hello. Siyoshi's friend ate his ramen, said thank you, and headed home. Later that night, 
he committed suicide. Around the same time, my friend's brother committed suicide. And a brother of another friend of mine did it too. I wondered why so many young people kill themselves. And I researched it. Japan's suicide rate is alarming. Strides have been made, but even today, it still has the second highest suicide rate among major industrialized nations. But the fastest growing suicide demographic in Japan is young men between the ages of 22 to 44. For this age group, suicide is the leading cause of death. The spike in suicide rate stems from the world financial crisis back in 2008. And even today, 40% of young people, almost half of all young people in Japan, are unable to find work. According to a report from the BBC, the loss of so many young people, including Tsuyoshi's comedy partner and close friends, comes from many things. So many young people commit suicide in Japan right now. And the main reason is that they have no hope for the future. So I wanted to create a society where people want to live. I want people to have dreams. To say, I want to do more. I want to live more. I wanted to create a space where you can smile every day. That's why I created a ramen shop called Yumeo Katare. Something had changed in Tsuyoshi. This new restaurant of his had a sense of purpose, and he had a clear vision of who this restaurant was for. That's why I target the college students, because that's when you lose your dreams. When you turn 21, you choose what's better with your head, not with your heart. That's the way college students are. So I want them to come eat every week and not to lose their dreams and always keep talking about them. I want them to keep dreaming by experiencing the way to live. Then, even if you turn 21, you can still keep dreaming. Coming up after the break, Tsuyoshi sets out to bring Jiro-style ramen across the Pacific to the shores of the United States. And I get my first taste of Yumewo Katare's ramen. Mmm. I can smell the garlic and pork already. Okay, all that and more coming up next. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Every time I pass it, there's a line like this, and when I look inside, it's packed. Delicious ramen. Oh my god, so full. You know, unusual. Homemade dough. It's so good. I feel invigorated, and I'm excited to get home and get to work. More ramen! I love the ramen. It was so good. You may Wokatari! You may Wokatari is a restaurant, but it's also a catalyst towards finding your dreams. I jump in an incredibly long line outside the restaurant, and I don't even realize that the whole process has already begun. Do you know why you wait in line? That's Sarah again. She gives me some insight into how this ramen shop turns noodles into dream catchers. And it all starts before you even enter the front door. Even when you first show up to the restaurant, that's, you're already part of the experience. You wait outside, you look up at the window, painted on the window, it says, my dream is dot, dot, dot. Yeah. So you look at the window and you're like, what is <laughs> like?" So then you start thinking about my dream is, well, what's my dream? Like, what am I working on? So waiting outside in line is kind of your first time to start thinking about what's your dream. You see, the thing about dreams is that you can't just snap your fingers and have them magically appear. You have to wait. And the same was true for Siyoshi. He opened a few restaurants, became a ramen master and restaurateur. Dream achieved, right? Well, something else called out to him. A higher purpose, if you will. And the pursuit of it meant doing what a good many people might call crazy. He closed up his ramen shop and set out for somewhere totally foreign, totally new. The United States. My dream was to open a shop somewhere overseas. So when I talked about it, someone asked me where. I didn't know, but America came to mind. Then I was asked where in America. I didn't know where either, but a word came to my mind. And it was Hawaii. So I decided to go to Hawaii. I walked around the island, including the state university, and I wanted to see how it felt. But I didn't feel anything there. It wasn't right. I went home thinking, there is no need to open a shop overseas. Okay, hold up, hold up. Hawaii wasn't for you? Wasn't for him! You mean, I could be standing in line, sipping water out of a coconut, but no, I need to get my face blitzed by negative degree wind chill? Too convenient, too easy. Okay, I'm, I'm done venting about cruel New England winters. Back to the story. 
Then I went to New York right away because someone said New York is the center of the world. That gave me even more of a feeling. I'm opening a shop in New York. But when I walked on the street, I didn't feel the excitement. It was really dirty for the world's number one city. I thought Tokyo was cleaner, but even there wasn't right. I was staying at a guest house hosted by a Japanese person. Four American-loving Japanese people were staying there. So I told them about my dream of opening a shop there for college kids at a place with so many college kids around. Then all of them there said, that's Boston. So I hopped on the bus the next day. It gave me a chill and I yelled, it's here. As I got off the bus, young people were running and it was clean. But Tsuyoshi visited Boston in June, the middle of summer. But then, on the flight back home, my wife said, it can hit negative 20 degrees during winter in Boston. So, I visited Los Angeles and San Francisco in the summer of 2010. In San Francisco, it's ramen weather throughout the whole year. It's easy to get Japanese food supplies, so I thought, it's perfect. I thought it would work, and I went home conflicted. So, Tsuyoshi turned to a close friend for guidance. I told him that I really liked San Francisco, and I was confident that the shop would be a big hit. I told him that I didn't know what to do, and he said, you've changed. You've always dreamed with your heart, but now you are dreaming with your head. Where does your heart tell you to open the shop? When he asked me that question, Boston came to mind. He said, your eyes were different when you talked about Boston. So we moved to Boston. And sure, it's cold. But Tsuyoshi was pursuing his dream the right way. Two of the most elite, high-pressure schools in the country, Harvard and MIT, are separated by only a few square miles. And nestled right there between them is Yumewo Katare. In total, there's 52 colleges and universities around Boston, a number of which are amongst the top rated in the country. It was the exact crowd of overworked, overstressed students that he'd been dreaming of. Inside the restaurant, it almost carries over that classroom feel. Only this one looks more like it's from the 1950s. There's handwritten dreams from previous restaurant goers lining the walls. And the wooden chairs and tables look like grade school desks. You see people working hard. You see people studying. Uh, they've got their heads down. They're really, really focused. This term that we've been throwing around recently is like a cool library. The restaurant sits 18 people. The first row is the bar right up at the counter, so you can see everything that's going on in the kitchen with the chef. And then uh, there's two rows behind that. And like most grade schools, there's also a few rules to the room. Scattered about are signs reminding eaters that cell phones are forbidden. That's right. You're going to have to bear with not keeping up on the latest political shitstorm happening on Twitter and put your phone away. Um, the kind of space that I personally want to build at Yume is a space where once you walk in, you don't have to worry about anything else that's going on in the outside world. Um, and cell phones are a huge distraction. We really want you to just, you know, put it away, not worry about it. Like, take one, remove one distraction, remove one worry from your life for about 15 minutes. 
even conversations with friends is sort of at a minimum. I think that's for multiple reasons. One, your mouth is constantly full of food. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. And then two, you know, if you're, if everybody is, has their head down, like working really hard and you're the only one talking. Yeah. It's like kind of disturbing the atmosphere. So I, f- I think that people kind of, you can, you can feel the, it's like a palpable atmosphere when you walk in. Yeah. And so I don't think anybody wants to be the one to kind of like break that. You're there for one reason, to find your dream. I get my heaping bowl of ramen. The time is nigh. Chopsticks up, head down, in I go. The sounds of the restaurant begin to tunnel into some indiscernible mash of Japanese hype music and slurping. So much slurping. Slurp away, get stuff on your shirt, don't be afraid to get messy. Yeah. Just kind of dive right in. Yeah. Every so often as you're eating, the room falls silent. The host calls out. Someone's finished eating and is ready to share their dream. The person stands up and, prepare your social anxieties now, shares their dream aloud to the entire restaurant. Yeah, the stuff nightmares are made out of, right? I might as well shed all my clothes while I'm at it and just face every fear I've ever had all at once. Hi everybody, can I have your attention please to the first row, we have our first dreamer of the day. So my main long-term hobby is studying Japanese or doing things related to Japanese language. Um, So my lifetime dream would be to demonstrate some kind of proficiency that is equivalent to or better than the average native speaker, but I, you know, it's a pretty wild dream, so that, that won't be for a long time, if ever. Yeah, that's my dream. I got a good job! Good, good job! job! Thank, you. Thank you! Sitting there with my bowl of ramen, hearing others share their dreams, I honestly start to feel like anything is possible. I'm serious. No matter how lofty the goal is. Yume Wokatari was a runaway success, basically from the day it opened. One review read, quote, The ramen is so deliciously savory and warming, especially after you spend an hour shivering in the line outside. And you will have to do that in order to get in. One person I talk with after the meal is a VIP member and a big fan of Siyoshi. The owner of this place is, is a marketing genius. Everything he touches is turns to gold. He just opened a new one. It's right next to a bathroom. <laughs> it's busy. There's a line outside every single day. Okay, I told him that like, it's not gonna work. At least four other businesses that failed at that spot. But he can turn it around. If I if I would have to invest in in a, in a business or, or a person, I would invest in him. In him. Guarantee return. <laughs> that type of growth is only the beginning for Siyoshi and Yume Wokatare's goals. From the more straightforward, I decided to go back to Japan every month to the real lofty. Uh, on our sign outside where it says Yume wo Katare, we actually put until the year 2030 because 2030 is the deadline that we've set for our dream of opening up one Yume in every country in the world by that year. By 2030? By 2030, yeah. So we got 12 years. You have 12 years? 12 years. How many countries? Right now we're in three. You're in three countries. So we got a little ways to go, but three is a really good start. But what about the most common question the Yume crew gets? What about failure? Dream big, fail hard, right? Well, if you think of it that way, you're looking at it all wrong. 
Even if you fulfill a big dream, you'll die sometime. So you'll die with regret. I don't think that's right. So when you ask yourself what your life goal is, it's not about when you die, it's about now, now, now. I realized that right this moment is life. So I thought, what do I want to do right this moment? Life goal equals right this moment. So the question is, what do you want to do right this moment? So can a bowl of ramen help you find your dream? Can it really be the first step in pursuing your passion? I'll let you in on a little something. That question I had all season long, the one about what to do if you don't know what your passion is, I took that with me the first time I visited Yumewo Katare. And when I finished my bowl of ramen, I stood up, looked out at everyone in the restaurant, and said, I want to make a podcast episode all about Yumewo Katare. Dream achieved? So, the next time you're feeling lost, or lonely, or like we're all just fish swimming in the great cosmic bowl of electromagnetic soup, know that there's some genuinely supportive people and a gigantic bowl of ramen waiting for you in Boston, ready to help you find your dreams, no matter how weird they might be. Just fucking do it. Email Katari. Today's episode was produced by Matthew Brown. Can we give Matt a hand real quick? He looks like he's been locked away at a cave somewhere and lost 30 pounds over the course of the season. He's getting married in a couple weeks, so I like to think he's just getting shredded for the wedding, not slowly wasting away from anxiety and fatigue. Enjoy that, son. Voiceover work was done by Michael Hens, with additional written help from Alicia Collins and Megan Conley. This marks the end of our first season of Weird Work. I want to thank all our guests from this past season for sharing their stories and helping show that in the pursuit of passions, there's no dream ever truly off limits. But most of all, I want to thank you and all the listeners out there. You guys have sent so many amazing jobs our way. You've written some incredibly kind reviews. Some, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm looking at you, the dude 09 and Tulsa 12, and you've left countless sincere messages on our social media. But we're not done yet. Tell us what your dream is and your next step towards achieving it. You can let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Weird Work or email us at hello at weirdworkpodcast.com. As always, I'm Sam Balter and Kimo. <laughs> Kimo. Kimyo Ni. Kimyo Ni. Until then, as always, I'm Sam Balter and Kimyo Ni. Am I saying it right? I don't speak Japanese, Matt. You know what? I like what Sarah said. Fuck it. You may woke Atari! <laughs> okay.